We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 264. And a happy Glaber Day to you, Scott. Hopefully your weekend has been better than the Yankees' weekend and really entire homestand went. Yeah, the whole the whole homestand was was not to be desired by any means. You see that the names on the uh, the opponent the opponents, and you're expecting much better results, obviously, especially when you're leading into a huge West Coast trip, and you know there's just going to be a ton of pressure. Um, yeah, happy happy Labor Day, happy Labor Day weekend to everybody. It was uh, appropriate because the kid started uh, started the weekend on you know on fire and has been really just been unbelievable. Um, you know, for the past couple of weeks. So he's, this is kind of what we were talking about. Like if this kid had a couple hot weeks and, uh, and Anduar maybe had cooled off just a little bit, this, this rookie of the year race is going to be little Mickey, uh, little Mickey and Roger uh, towards the end of the season. Cause it's getting very tight. Right. Except uh, the wrinkle in all of that is that Otani decided to pitch again. Yep, he did. But I th- did he leave last night? Something happened last night. I thought I, I saw notes of uh, uh, his velocity going from like 97 to like 91, 92. I don't know if he left the game. I'm, I haven't checked the, uh, the the whole thing on the Angels, but concerning to say the least. I'm looking up the box score right now on that, and Otani pitched two and a third innings. So there you go. Yeah, yeah I, I guess they were just one last shot in the dark for him. But uh, he might he might need surgery. Whatever. Uh, yeah, like you said, Glaber can make a push for this rookie of the year because in the first half of the season it was definitely him. He was the one who made the All Star team. His average is back up to 282 at this point after it was at, at a low of 258 on August 16th. And over that couple week stretch after he came off the DL, we even said this like it does not look like he is 100 percent healthy and back to the Glaber Torres that we saw in April, May, and June. No, and you know, I don't know if it was just uh, him getting the his body back into 
into baseball form and, you know, getting that flexibility back in his hips and, you know, all those things that you need to do to become an effective baseball player and cover the plate like he, because his, I mean, his plate coverage is ridiculous. Uh, the kid's got, you know, one of the more beautiful swings I've seen uh, in a Yankee uniform in a long time. And uh, he just, yeah, you're right. I don't, he just mentally, I don't think was there and I don't think he was physically there. And it seems like he's, he's found that nice little sweet spot where um, everything's clicking. So it's good to see him that way because this team definitely needs a, a healthy Glaber Torres down the stretch for sure. And slowly but surely, we're starting to see lineup pieces added and coming back. So the the yeah. lineup is getting deeper and deeper. Where in the month of in the month of August, I mean, the team struggled overall. Uh, we're not making excuses for them, but that lineup night in and night out on seven, eight, and nine was pretty terrible. So you, you didn't shed a tear when when uh, Sugar Shane got DFA'd. I poured, I poured again. one out for him. Yeah, this kid is, um, you know, I, I think he's pretty happy with his stint with the Yankees. I don't think he expected it to be as long as it did. I don't think he expected as many at-bats as he did. But 20-something games? Like, who saw yeah. that coming? Can't predict, Congra- can't congratulations. Congratulations to Shane Robinson. He'll be telling his grandkids about this one. Um, all right, before we get into everything else, just a reminder about the September 15th BP Crew event. It's the last regular season event for us. Um, it is Saturday, September 15th against the Blue Jays. And for 64 bucks, you can get a ticket in section 205, which is uh, what we at one point were thinking about calling the bird's nest. And that's until uh, <laughs> Greg Bird got Wally Pipp by Luke Voigt. Uh, but 64 bucks, game ticket 205, plus a T-shirt that's custom designed. And then the pregame party is going to be at the dugout uh, about two, two and a half hours before the game time. Right now it's scheduled for 4 o'clock, but it might get moved to 1. We don't know. We're going to stay on top of that, but get your tickets for that. Yeah, okay. and hopefully right, by ahead. this point they shouldn't they shouldn't uh, flex the game, I'm, I'm hoping. At this point it's relatively solid considering it's in a week and a half so, or two weeks. So. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You just, you just stuck <laughs> your foot in your mouth. Did I just jinx it? Um, you've never done that. So, so that I've never jinxed the time of a game. Yeah, that's no. a new one. Um, like we said, three and four on the homestand for the Yankees against two of the worst teams in baseball. I know, I know the White Sox have been playing better, but Detroit sucks. They came in, they were last in the majors in home runs. You'd never know that because it seemed like the ball was that just jumping off their bat all weekend. Um, the Yankees given up home runs to old man, Victor Martinez, who is on his swan song. He's retiring after the year. Ah, uh, here, here's a meatball to you, Victor. Uh, just a terrible series. I know they split with Detroit, but it felt like a series loss. No, no doubt. And Victor Martinez looking over, looking like Mickey Cabrera too. I mean, he's been uh, he's Pudgy. been very healthy <laughs> over in Detroit, eating well in Detroit. I mean, this guy is definitely in the twilight of the career. And uh, yeah, but he can still put bat to ball, and when he does, it can do some damage occasionally. And yeah, they were giving him some uh, some meatballs. But you look up and down that lineup, and you're like, man. <laughs> half these names you don't recognize some of them shouldn't be where they are and you gotta just you gotta beat that team you can't be letting up you know you can't be having like terrible starts against the Detroit Tigers at this point in the season just just can't happen no and and it was kind of like if one thing wasn't working like the Yankees bullpen had that meltdown on Thursday in that game but then on Saturday, the reason they, they or on Saturday they won, but they were lucky to win. They only had two hits in that game. So sometimes it was the offense, sometimes it was the pitching that that did not come through against Detroit. Yeah, and you know how many times is this team going to be either no hit or there's a perfect game happening within like the first four innings? I, I feel like it's happened like four or five times this season, and two times in the past two weeks. Like these guys are not getting off to uh, any kind of good start with the bats. It seems like they're they're either waiting for that big hit or you know they're 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 starting to tack on runs a little bit later, but there's there's just no reason for them not to be able to get to some of these starting pitchers, and it's been it's been concerning lately. I think in the beginning of some of these games. So you mentioned Victor Martinez is looking a little <clears throat> pudgy in in the waist area. Maybe he should try RX Bar because that is a healthy alternative. RX Bar wants to build things the right way. They believe in the power of transparency and lets the core ingredients do the talking for them. They, you'll recognize the RX bar on the shelf. They're the ones who have egg whites for protein, dates for bind, nuts for texture, and other delicious ingredients like unsweetened chocolate, real fruit, and spices like sea salt or cinnamon. Um, and then you know what? It turns out real food tastes good. Um, I have uh, been having these. This has been my 10 a.m. mid-morning snack at work. What about you? There you go. They're a little protein boost in the morning. I actually have, uh, I took these when I played golf last time. 
And uh, I thought they were really good, actually. They have um, some of these, some protein bars, I feel like, you know, uh, miss the mark. But these definitely don't. They're, they're, they were good. They have a, a good mix with the chocolate. And then I had a, a berry one another time I was hitting the links as well. So um, I was impressed and uh, definitely gave me that little boost, smacking some drives around the, uh, into the woods. Yes. Really deep, really deep in the woods. Hidden, hidden benefit of RX bars apparently uh, makes you a better, better golfer. But uh, they're gluten free, soy free, dairy free. No artificial colors, artificial flavors, preservatives, or fillers. They're um, they're great on a number of occasions, like we just said: breakfast on the go, snack at the office, uh, maybe on the ninth tee box or whatever. So, if you want to try RX Bar, you can get 25% off your first order. Just visit rxbar.com slash Bronx and enter the promo code Bronx at checkout. Well, so we didn't, we have not mentioned yet the Yankees' acquisition of Andrew McCutcheon right yeah. under the, the nine, non-waiver deadline. Um, excuse me, the waiver deadline. The waiver deadline, that right? By the yeah. hair of their chinny chin chin. Yeah, it was uh, the uh, the Justin Verlander move of last year when it was in the eleventh hour of August thirty first deadline. But going quickly, going to San Francisco, Abito Asavino. He's an infielder. He was the Yankees' number twenty three overall prospect. And Juan De Paula. He's a pitcher. He was the Yankees' number twenty six overall prospect. Uh, San Fran is paying half of McCutcheon's salary, so the Yankees are still going to be under the luxury tax. They're paying about 1.2 mil. Yeah, I mean that was a that was a no brainer in this deal. That was probably one of the uh, the deal breakers. If it didn't if it didn't happen for the Giants, they had to pay that salary um, because you know ultimately the Yankees are not going to go over the luxury tax at this point in the season for a guy like Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, but look, it's a it's a big name. Obviously, I think a lot of people are excited because it's Andrew McCutcheon and it's because it's the name, and I think he's a very well liked guy around the league as well. Um, I'm a fan. I, you know, I like the way the guy plays. He plays hard. He's a a nice guy. Um, carries himself well. He just he, he fits the mold, right, of, of a guy that you want to come over and wear the pinstripes, and he's a good baseball player. So the um, I thought it was a good move. I think playing in San Francisco, we probably didn't see his best numbers because it's a huge ballpark also. So I think coming over to Yankee Stadium um, will actually help him out with the offense. Uh, and I still think – I was really surprised, actually, when we – when everybody was – Focusing on him after we got him, or when the rumors started, that, that he was 31 years old. I actually thought he was at least three, three or four years older. He's been around for a long time, and he's kind of an old 31. He yeah. had his prime years. He won the MVP when he was in Pittsburgh, but then he kind of fell off a little bit. But you're right. So his numbers, his traditional numbers in San Francisco, did not look great. But there was actually Conrad did a really good player profile on the website. I encourage you guys to check it out but kind of dove into some of the advanced metrics on McCutcheon, and he's actually hitting the ball hard, as hard or if not harder um, at any point in his career. And in the uh, last month in August, he only had 10% soft contact. So that could mean that he uh, is on a hot streak right now, and it could mean good things for the Yankees in September. But you kind of mentioned, like, he's a name. And I found it uh, funny, the the spectrum of uh reactions that Yankees fans were having because some people were treating like the Yankees just acquired Andrew McCutcheon circa 2014 you know coming off MVP type season but at the same time you have to remember he's not that anymore but he's also not swan song of his career Ichiro or something like that or Pudge Rodriguez when the Yankees acquired a former MVP and that guy is a shell of himself he's kind of somewhere in the middle Right, and and I've you know we were talking about this before we hit record, but you go back and you look at the the numbers that he had in MVP, and, and granted, they're you're looking at some traditional numbers, but I mean he was under 100 RBIs. Like this guy was uh, had a, a very you know modest batting average. Like they were not your typical MVP numbers. You you had talked that um, you know he was probably one of the first guys, really, I guess, to to win on the advanced metrics. Uh, some of the ones, some of the numbers that you don't see you know, when, when they actually announce the award, because when you see the stats, you know, they're, they're not, they don't look like MVP stats by any means. They look like a, you know, a decent season by a decent guy. So, oh, okay. Decent. That's not fair. I mean, he did have four straight seasons where he finished in the top five of MVP. No, I know that, but I'm talking, when you look at the numbers, they don't look like MVP numbers are even close to MVP numbers. You don't have the eye-popping, you don't have the eye-popping like Aaron Judge, 52 home runs, or Giancarlo Stanton, 120, 130 RBIs, but... But but we have you, to. Re- you don't even see triple digit RBIs. I mean, it's it's a strange. Or, I mean, it's strange to look at. But it. we know RBIs are 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 also or at more of 
say more about your teammates than anything else. I mean, sure. If you're not, I mean, Pittsburgh, I know they had a couple of years where they were flirting with the wild card and stuff like that. But if you guys aren't on base, you're not going to get a ton of RBIs. So it was a Felix Hernandez, Cy Young MVP. Oh, okay. okay. Can we just, okay. can we just go that way? Yeah. Cause that's, cause that's kind of what it was. It, it was when you look at the numbers in 10, 15 years, you're gonna be like, what, what happened that year? That's what people are going to think. Um, unless advanced metrics really start taking over and they start putting those in the, uh, in, in the, in the, in the headlines when they're talking about MVPs. But that was but four the, years ago, so. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'd say it was, there. people were starting to, uh, to, to really adapt that no, stuff. But what I'm saying is that was Andrew, we're, that's not the Andrew McCutcheon we're getting. No, that's true. But at the, the same time, the, when you're looking at the hard hit balls, the, um, the, the fact that, you know, he still had productive numbers in San Francisco uh, and, and coming to a much smaller ballpark. Like, I really do think Yankee Stadium is going to help him out. Obviously, the lineup around him is going to help him out. Um, there's a, you know, it's a much, de- it will be a much deeper lineup once we start getting everybody back um, or even right now, actually, with with. Uh, you know, when you got add Gary Sanchez and, and have Stanton and all the big guys in there. Um, so I think we're getting a good player. I think it was a really good deal. It really didn't give up much. The fact that they, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of releasing the uh, 23rd and 26th ranked prospects in the system. I mean, Avellino probably didn't have a future in the Yankees. DePaulo, I mean, had to have a ridiculous season for them, for him to crack the bullpen. So these guys were not going to be coming to the Bronx at, at any point. They stayed under the luxury tax. I thought it was a really good move by Cashman. They had to do something. You could not yeah. keep running out Shane Robinson when you're fighting for the wild card. You're fighting for the playoffs. You, you just couldn't do it. They was It went too far as it was. I mean, Shane Robinson played, like we said, 10 times as much as we ever thought Shane Robinson was going to play. And uh, the Giants did not put McCutcheon on waivers until last week, so that's why this move did not happen earlier. But also, um, I saw uh, Brian Hoke was tweeting that the Yankees thought Judge was going to be out three weeks. They thought Frazier was going to be back by the end of August. That stuff just did not happen. So part of it was the Yankees waited, and part of it was their players they were expecting to come back had delays. They had other things come up. I mean, Judge, we we know. We've talked about Judge a million times. We don't even know if Judge is going to come back this season, never mind the three-week timetable. Well, no, and yeah, I mean, when I when I spoke with Hoke on on Thursday, he was talking about that too. But that was one of my questions to to him is like, you know, did the Yankees really were they waiting? You know, was the reason they didn't go out and add a, a guy like Curtis Granderson or someone like that because of the fact that they thought Judge was coming back or they thought you know Frazier was progressing at a, at a more rapid pace? And you know, there's really no answer to that because it had to have been in the back of their minds, but obviously they're not talking about that. Um, and the fact that Judge is still not doing this. I mean, this is, I think when people, every, when everybody saw that McCutcheon was coming to the Yankees, their first thought wasn't, wasn't oh, sweet, McCutcheon's coming to the Yankees. Their first thought was Judge's out for the year. Right. That's, right. that's the natural reaction, right? Like, oh, well, this guy's coming in to play right field because Judge is not coming back. And I think that's, at this point, honestly, totally fair because I'm still not convinced he's coming back. Uh, I, I, you know, we're still not seeing much progress on, on his on uh, his movement as far as getting getting ready and getting his dry hump swings in and, you know, doing all these things that he needs to do to get ready to get back because a big guy like that with a big swing like that, you know, he's going to take time to get, get uh, you know, get back into the groove. So uh, I hope he does, obviously. Uh, you know, I really hope he does, but I'm just not convinced. And so I think there is more to that, that, you know, they got this guy to, uh, to be able to play uh, in case he doesn't come back. That was my first reaction as well. And maybe that makes me a cynical person um i think people would probably call me a cynical real, fan well but, you definitely are a cynical guy but the the, the fact that the um you know that it, it was this it, the move was made this at this point once we're hearing that there's really not much progress like right it's a very natural realistic thought right the last week we had the quote of the pain is from a five to a four yeah and like well what the hell does that mean like that right. doesn't sound sounds still it, painful it still doesn't sound good and then boom we get mccutcheon that's that's great i like the trade i like the move it's something that had to happen and uh, but yeah, it just makes me concerned for for no more Judge or if we ever do see Judge again this season, he's not going to be the Aaron Judge that the Yankees need him to be. No, no, I mean most likely not. I mean who knows? This guy's done. I think he's he's uh, he's you know changed expectations in everybody's mind for things that he's done. But um, so if anybody's going to do it, Judge can could come back and do like a little uh, Walt Clyde Frazier moment uh, towards the end of the season. But the other thing is is that Frazier is starting. You know he has. Uh, started rehab games down in Tampa. Um, he's getting back in the groove. Like he's actually playing baseball now. So he's getting much closer. Obviously the, uh, the minor league season is, is, um, is dwindling down. So they, there's not as much game time going to be available, but it seems like Frazier is getting closer as well. So he might be a, a guy that, 
you know, hopefully can, can come up in the near future too. What are your thoughts on the fact that they had McCutcheon leading off? I thought that was interesting because, one, it kind of boots Aaron Hicks out of a, a, a role um, as well, and, it, and obviously Gardner. The fact that Gardner um, was put in the nine spot on, on uh, Saturday, you know, I thought it was totally fine. Like he's, he, Gardner's been struggling massively, and he's had a, a couple um, big hits here and there at the, you know, recently. But I don't mind it. I mean, I think that when you see a guy like that, like Andrew McCutcheon, like that's a type of guy that you could kind of slot in anywhere, and every, I don't think anybody would have a problem with it um, because he's just that type of guy. Yeah, and I think also they wanted to, with Sanchez coming back as well, they want to break up the the righties in the middle of that order with Stanton Sanchez and now Luke Voigt and Andujar and Glaber Torres as well. You got to have somebody, a different look just in there. So if uh, the whatever team they're facing has a tough righty in the bullpen, maybe they can just break that up a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, I think that uh, uh, putting Aaron Hicks in a spot now that can drive in a little more runs because this guy's, you know, added that power game to to uh, his repertoire. Like, he's been super impressive. You're on the Aaron Hicks bandwagon. Now. I, you know, I I'm, I'm really am, I think. I, I think that he's, he's definitely out you know, outperformed what my expectations were. Uh, and I, you know, I talked about this quite a bit in the beginning of the season. Like I I don't, I didn't know who Aaron Hicks was. I didn't really have a judgment on him because I just hadn't seen enough. I don't think any of us had seen enough of him to, to know truly who he is. We know who he is defensively, but offensively, what kind of player is this guy? And And I think we're really seeing that. Every time we saw some flashes of him offensively, he he, he would have a hamstring issue, a rib cage issue, something would come up and it, that happened in April, early April. But since then he's been very durable and he's been uh, one of the Yankees' steady rocks all season, when other guys have been falling like uh, dropping like flies around him um, on the injury front. Yeah, just knock on some wood real quick, please. But um, the uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate the sound effect. The um, <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been really good. Honestly, he's been consistent. He's he's added. The, there's been definitely more power than uh, than I was expecting. I think, and he's a lightning rod too. I'm like that guy plays his ass off. Uh, you know, he's. Uh, he, he's not loping on the bases at all. I mean, he was the one running to second base when, when Sanchez was running down the first baseline. <laughs> so you know he was hustling, so and every on. time he's in there, he's, he's busting his ass. Can we blame then Aaron Hicks for Gary Sanchez? For getting Sanchez, there too fast? For, for, for Hustlegate on Gary Sanchez? Because if he just went into second base normally, he's out at second, and we never even talk about Gary Sanchez groin, groin injury 2.0 slash yeah. Hustlegate. It's possible, but now now we have a, a trimmed out Gary Sanchez, ten to fifteen pounds lighter, which so, sounded concerning to me. Did you? I was. I heard that too, and then I looked at him, and I I don't see ten to fifteen pounds. Well, see, I don't think you're going to see ten to fifteen pounds on him very easily. It's gonna it's gonna come off all over the place. It's not like you're going to see it in one place. I think his face looks trimmer. So two two pounds from his ass, three yeah, pounds, exactly. three pounds from his man <laughs> boobs, like yes. different locations. You got to take some of the chunks out. It's like drawing on <laughs> yeah, on a on a on a body like where they're going to come off. But I think you see his face is a little trimmer and you cannot deny the the home to first time He ran hard. Now. He ran hard. The splits are ridiculous. The guy's yeah. light, he's like freaking lightning. Yep. Yeah, he beat out a ball on Sunday. Almost beat out a ball on Saturday. Like it was very. They had to review it. It was so close. He was such a such a blur that they thought that potentially he was close, but he was out by a full step. Um, you know, it just looked look closer because he was so fast. If he did really drop ten to fifteen pounds, then that's a lot of weight in the month and a half he was off. Good for him because that's going. Yeah, that's a lot of weight to do. That's a lot. That's a that's a that's a still, lot of weight. He's still thick. So yeah. it, it was probably just excess weight that fell off him pretty fast. A lot of excess, water weight? Ec- whatever it was, excess weight from the offseason, maybe he didn't. Boone, we, we said Boone was throwing kind of backhanded jabs at him about his conditioning all season. I mean, that's, a, yeah. that's, a, that's not, uh, I know you talked about this with Hoke, but it's a backhanded compliment that he's now in his best conditioning shape all season. Well, that means he wasn't in the first couple months of the season when he was hitting under 200 and loafing it down the first baseline. Yes, he was saying he was fat, and that's why he was bad. He was fat, and now he's not fat. Now he's trim and fast. Uh, the Yankees also added Adini Hechevarria from the Pirates uh, for a player to be named later or cash. Um, he's a really, really good defensive shortstop. They can use him as a utility guy. Rosters expanded, so it was an easy addition. Um, and also allows the Yankees, I think, to move Glaber back to second base right. while Didi is out. Because what we saw happening was Glaber would flash 
some leather at short. He'd make an unbelievable hole, play in the hole, um, and you'd say, wow, he's such a natural shortstop. But then he would make a stupid mistake. And when you had Andujar and Gleyber Torres on the left side of the infield, there's a lot of stupid mistakes happening on that side. Yeah, no, this is a this was a move that feels a very, very traditional to what the Yankees have done in the past. You know, we, we, we now have a guy that can go out there and, and play rock-solid defense at the end of a game. And, I mean, Girardi did that for years. There was always a Brendan Ryan on the team, it seemed like, uh, that could go out there and, 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 you know, play really good defense and, and come in as that replacement. Or on, a, on an off day, and obviously with Didi still out, can go in there and play solid defense because, you know, that certainly hurt the pitching staff. You know, in the past week, we talked about that last uh, last episode with extra uh, with outs, Tan- extra with pitches, Tanaka and shorter outings. Exactly. These guys are throwing. If you're getting ground balls, you should get outs, right? There's some bad luck in there. Uh, like, I think Tanaka had some bad luck over the weekend. A lot of oh, in, in that first inning. First inning, of, it was, yeah. All soft soft ground balls. And But traditionally, you're getting ground balls, you should get outs. You don't want to see that many um, that that many errors in, in a, or balls flying all over the place and not making outs and these guys stand on the base paths because yes, uh, with the rotation the way it is, you got to take advantage of that. So I, I like the addition. It's a it's, he made a nice play in his first time in there uh, at short. And I think it was Goodrum, right, who had two infield singles. Um, I think it was in Friday's. It was either Thursday or Friday's game when he had two infield singles to Neil Walker. And yeah. I know we said we've liked Neil Walker. He plays around, but. It's those kind of plays when you you just got to make that and not give the team, especially a shitty team like Detroit, extra outs. And they yeah, capitalized and, and, on it. No doubt. And, you know, with uh, with Andujar, with those those ground balls, there were a couple of them, too, where his timing is just it's just there. I mean, I, I feel like a broken record talking about his timing, but that's such a big thing with him. And, and I know that this is like the Gary Sanchez blocking of the balls like that's not going to happen in the middle of a season. You're not we're not going to see significant improvements, I don't think, because there's so much muscle memory that goes into what these guys do every day. And they have so many repetitions already under their belt for the season. But, you know, in an off season when you can actually make an adjustment and make a, a, a lasting adjustment and, and really change your mechanics and change your timing and the way that you play, uh, that's something that you know, I think we're all going to look for in the offseason and coming into ne- next year in spring training is a quicker uh, transition from the glove to the, to the, to the hand to the, to the throw and getting his feet in place faster and you know, making sure that he gets those mechanics down so he can make a solid throw quicker over to first base or second base. He's going to go uh, away with A-Rod over the holidays this yes. year, and he's going to go on a two-week excursion, and they're just going to be fielding, uh, fielding ground balls the entire time. And he'll come back with a lot of bad advice. But again, I told him, I, I, can we can we substitute Arod for Adrian Beltre, please? Just give him his idol, and and they can go and hang out for for and do beach drills and uh, and whatever they got to do. So badass Aaron Boone was ejected and then suspended for the Friday night um, uh, ejection when he got down in the crouch position, yelling at the umpire, got right in his face. That's contact. That's contact. Pointing in his face. I guess the bill of his cap. Touched yeah. the umpire, and that's a no-no. That's why he had to serve a suspension on Sunday. Um, fans loved it. They were immediately back on Boone's side, which oh, I yeah. found hilarious. It's like we kill him for every lineup decision, every bullpen move. Every time the Yankees lose, it's Boone's fault. But he gets ejected one time. Oh, he's back on our side. We love him now. You're goddamn right. He's a man of the people. New York fans want to see a guy It's so simple-minded. Yes, it is, but it doesn't matter. You want to see a guy go out there and have your back. You need loyalty. You need fire. You need that that passion behind the words. You need to see him actually do something. When you're a manager and you're in the dugout and you're not wearing a uniform and you're sitting there with your arm up and your knee up and you're just making all these bad decisions, all, you, all you're doing is getting judged on those decisions. But when you go out and actually do something and you show that what a strike is and what a ball is very clearly and then get in the guy's face and touches the brim of his cap and not giving a rat's ass that you're doing it and the guy's bitching at you constantly contact that's contact Uh, you're gonna get suspended for this and he's just going in there and screaming in his face love it i mean the whole place was going nuts there was a um one of our uh one of our guys on uh on instagram one of uh, of the guys that follows us sent us the uh he's got ridiculous seats by the way behind the home plate uh he sent a video of of the whole thing he was he had like first or second row of seats right behind home plate of the whole tirade and you could just hear the elevation of the crowd once he gets down into the crouch position and mm-hmm. then gets back up and starts screaming it's like i love it i love it i love it and it's uh it's awesome it was i it was one of my favorite moments for boone all year it probably oh, yeah. my favorite moment when the home when the home manager gets thrown out for for arguing 
on the team side, you love it. But when he yeah. does something extra, like he covers the plate with dirt, like Girardi yeah. did, yes. or he gets in the umpire's face, or, or whatever it is, like I, the the best one ever is when that minor league manager throws the rosin bag like it's a grenade and it lands right next to <laughs> right next to the home plate umpire and kind of just goes up in a poof. I mean, that's the best one that there ever will be. Or some guys steal the bases and just walk into the clubhouse with with the second base bag or whatever it is. You love that shit, and it's kind of gimmicky. Um, but it did temporarily, at least for a few innings, fire the Yankees up. They came back that next inning, hit three home runs. So maybe that worked. And I get it that, that fans are on his side because of it. We, we finally saw some emotion. It was kind of bottling. It was all bottled up, right? It, it was for com- sure. It was coming to a head because pretty much since the all-star break, the team has been sleepwalking, uh, playing around 500 baseball, sleepwalking, um, they they sweep Baltimore, but then they lose a series to to the White Sox. It's like how do those two things happen in in, in back to back days? But they they have, and, and you could just see Boone getting more frustrated and more frustrated. The home plate hum- umpire was horrible, and he yeah. went out there and he lost it. So good good for him, I guess. But no, it's it's great when when grown men lose it like that, and it's totally acceptable too. If you're uh, if you're a manager of a baseball team or if you're the head coach of a basketball team, like you you can act like a child, and it's it's actually encouraged because it's so much better. There was a video going around that I saw recently. This was one of my favorites too. Of uh, it was a minor league game, and the umpire was giving it to the or the uh, the manager was giving it to the umpire, <laughs> and then eventually he went to the batter's box hit an imaginary home run and took his sweet ass time trotting around the bases and did an entire, <laughs> did, did an entire home run trot and comes Perfect. back in. It comes back in, does like the clap and like points up to the sky. And then all of the players do, uh, do their home run celebration with their manager who just got tossed on the game. It was amazing. <laughs> it was, it was one of my favorites. I had a, a guy that I played uh, summer league ball with too. They got ejected from the game. Um, and he turned around and ejected the umpire. I oh yeah. That that's a classic. We doing it. Yeah, that's a classic. Was, I mean, we think, we think that major league umpires are bad. Imagine how shitty minor league umpire umpires are. Yeah, I mean, so it's uh, th- those are always good. And and yes, I think that you know those are those are moments that that definitely fire a team up, and they like they just get the adrenaline pumping when you when you have your leader out there like acting like a lunatic on your behalf. Um, and you know, there's probably a few other games where there was a bad strike zone that we wanted him to go out and do that, and and he really didn't. You could hear him chirping from the dugout, but you know, didn't really get into it. And I, I think he picked a. It was a good opportunity to do it in front of a, um, a packed crowd, uh, and uh, it, it worked. And it came after a night on Thursday where fans were absolutely murdering Boone because he flipped Britain and Batances in the ninth inning. And everyone's saying, well, how many times do we have to see Dellen Batances struggle in the ninth inning before we stop using him there? Right. So it, it was it, it was kind of perfect how it all happened, where Thursday night Yankees fans are killing him, Friday night they're on Boone's side again. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I mean, to, to what degree are we actually, um, you know, saying that Boone by flipping those two guys was, was the reason why Dylan Batances no. didn't come out and, and pitch well and it's, it's gave up those home runs. It's he, 100% walked, he walked fault. a guy in front of Victor Martinez and then missed location by a full half a plate and gave up a, a ball that barely went out 314 feet down the right field line. Yeah, it's 100%. Uh, you know, the fact that he did that, we were looking up the numbers on this year. Um, some of our writers were putting this. I think it was Rohan in our uh, in our chat was uh, talking about the, the splits between, you know, him, Batantis in the in the ninth inning. And he had eight and a third inning uh, pitched under his belt in the ninth inning this year with one earned run. I mean, the guy has been lights out all season long. So, you know, the fact that he's either pitching in the eighth or ninth, it really hasn't made a difference. And he's been good everywhere. So if you look at the numbers... They support him pitching anywhere because he's been that good. One of the one of the significant things, though, I thought, and again, people think this is just giving an excuse. Well, I think it's probably a le- kind of a legitimate excuse. Is his finger was cut? Like there was a significant cut on his finger that you could see was very much bothering him, and obviously was from the laces of the ball. So I, I don't think he was getting a good grip on the ball. So the spin wasn't there, and I think he left some meatballs over the plate. We saw that Saturday too, where he was bleeding, yeah. and the trainer came out and looked at him. But if you're if you're a manager deciding, do I want to use Batances or Britain? Uh, well, Batances in his previous 35 and two thirds inning had given up only three earned runs which is unhittable. And Britain, since he's become a Yankee, to that point, had given up seven earned runs in 13 innings. So it's so easy to sit there and say, well, that didn't work out. He should have done the opposite thing. But if you're just saying who's pitching better, Batances or Britain, it's not even close. It's Batances. And, and Britain has been uncharacteristically, for you look at his career, but he's been walking a lot of yeah, guys this year. He couldn't throw strikes the next night. Yeah, so this is this is a guy that is, um, you know, has been 
pretty mediocre since he's come over to the Yankees. He's definitely not that that dominant Zach Britton that we saw. What was that 2016, 2015? He was, you know, when he was the best reliever in the game, and and people were, you know, comparing, uh, you know, some of his pitches to some of the greatest pitches of baseball. But the the guy is not that guy right now. He he can't find the uh, the strike zone with consistency, and you know he's kind of a wild card when he comes in. And and you know, like the numbers say, Batances has been killing it. And on Friday, Severino started that game. He, um, I thought he looked very good in the first four innings. He was working quickly. Uh, he ended up striking out 10 guys in six innings, gave up the three runs. But do you think this is another step forward, another step in the right direction for Severino? Yeah, I mean, it's again, this is just one of those starts. I think he definitely looked better. I think he, um, he, he looked like a better guy. He looked more confident. And, you know, when we were watching the first few innings, he was using that change up quite a bit and uh, and it was working. And, and it seemed like that, you know, he had he had turned that corner and he was ready to go. Um, but you know, the efficiency, I don't think, was totally there. I think he still was uh, leaving guys around too long. Uh, I mean, he, even even with 10 strikeouts, there were guys fouling off balls and he was going into some deeper counts. Um, so, yeah, but I, I do I think it's a step forward. Yes, there was a, an article about about. Um, the uh, you know what's going on with Severino and what they think it was in the the Times or the Post or one of them and and they were talking with Larry Rothschild talking about you know is this something that you're concerned and they went back and looked at some of the numbers of guys who came off those um, you know the, the biggest tick up in innings pitched from one year to another and earlier in their careers and they went back to Verlander and looking at his um, his second year after he you know threw a whole bunch of innings his first year with Detroit and and there was a you know 10 to 15 game span in August uh end of July into you know towards the end of August that was very similar to what Severino's going to to do right now so they're not concerned they really think it's more of a um a conditioning arm thing where you know he's got those innings under his belt but you know there's a there's a point where it starts going back up again and the arm strength gets there but I think he's in that little valley of of uh of fatigue with you know throwing these these extra innings and maybe it is from last year uh you know they're starting to catch up to him so until he can hit that peak where he's now you know the body is balanced and he's he's you know feeling feeling good and strong again you know I think we're gonna see uh we won't see the same guy but we're starting to see the old Severino come back isn't it fascinating though that it could just be like a random 25 35 inning stretch in the middle of it that that's where it's like the eye of the storm and then all of a sudden his his arm just can't can't doesn't have as much life in it for, for whatever reason. So we yeah, kind of we kind of. But it also that. comes back too. It that that the crazy thing is too the way that the arm is for for these guys that who have like magical arms in the first place. But there is that fatigue that sets in. But during that fatigue session, it's almost like you know they're coasting at the bottom where it's actually getting stronger and they don't realize it yet. And then it starts ticking up, ticking up, ticking up. And towards the end of the season, they can find that next that next level and find it again where their their arm feels really good again. Cohen was talking about that too. I think about how there is there's there's a fatigue setting once those innings start coming Severino will start he's scheduled to start in Oakland on Wednesday and we talked about do the Yankees want to pitch Severino if they're against Oakland if they're thinking about having him start the wild card game interestingly enough the guy who's not pitching in that series is Tanaka it's just how it lines up but Tanaka will not face Oakland um, and Severino will so that might be another thing to consider as the wild card game approaches who they want to go up against the A's well, and I think that they're 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 getting to a point now where Tanaka is looking again like that second half guy where you know he's he's a much better pitcher and he seems like he's um, found really found some consistency and uh, so I, I think I honestly think the Yankees would be comfortable with either one of those guys in in the wild card game, um, but I still think that you know if there was an opportunity and, the, and it lined up that Severino would still be the guy. So the Yankees are zero one. While being managed by Josh Bard, they lost. <laughs> they lost Sunday's game. Um, I think the Lance Lynn novelty has finally worn off. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's starting to. He's just his last three innings have not been good. He's been getting hit all around the park. Uh, the ERA is bloated, like his waistline, and uh, we're just seeing some some bad pitching, honestly. And guess who's pitching better right now? <laughs> do, well, do we know? I don't want to say it. <laughs> it's somebody out of the bullpen. That, yeah. yeah, there's a guy that he used to play in Oakland. Uh, is now pitching he, better. 
That's true. He did play in Oakland. And, uh, you know, we talked that th- this could be an ongoing saga, you know, with um, with getting extra getting extra starts in to, to stretch out some of the arms in the bullpen and then also to alleviate some of the uh, potential injury issues down the road or down the line as the, as the schedule dwindles down. They're going to try to get CC probably an extra day here and there. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if they got Tanaka some extra time, Severino. So we're going to see guys like Sonny Gray coming in and pitching. But, you know, there could be a, a quicker hook in the sense that Lance Lynn, you know, if he comes out and shows another uh, terrible outing, I would not be surprised if they, you know, put him in the bullpen and, and flip-flop because, you know, Sonny has come in uh, a few times now in in longer outings and he's certainly stretched out at this point still. So, and I think that's that's probably that's part of the plan is yes. to keep him completely stretched out. He pitched on Sunday, so he lines up with Lance Lynn. Uh, Lance Lynn's last three games, 15 innings, 22 hits, 13 earned runs. So he's been terrible. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the last, not the last time, but if next time we see Sonny Gray pitching in his spot. Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me either. And, you know, when you're looking at the talent-wise, you'd think that Sonny Gray would be the the, the, the guy that's going to potentially give you more. Yeah, um, but we saw some way really beyond good... talent with Sonny Gray, whatever his issues are. That is true. That is very true. We, um, But we saw, you know, in the first couple of outings with Lance Lynn, everybody fell in love. Uh, with this guy that, that has come in and was the stopper for one game uh, and, and, you know, showed well, I think, after the trade. And, uh, you know, people were happy with it. But, no, he's not been good recently. He's, he's kind of fallen back into what I think they saw with Minnesota. A lot of Minnesota fans were like, who is this guy? Why is he pitching well in the Yankees? That's not what we've seen. But this is the guy, uh, you know, that they've seen a lot more. And it's disappointing, honestly. I, I, was, I was really hoping that he was able to, to come in and pull a Sean Chacon or pull an Aaron Small and, and start doing some good things. But... Not so much. And uh, the Yankees tried to come back in that game. Greg Bird pinch hits with the bases loaded in the eighth inning. He flies out to the wall. It John- is high. Oh, yeah. John Sterling went full bore into that home run call. And you can kind of – you can tell – you've listened to Sterling enough yeah. where he, if he believes it, what he's saying. Sometimes mm-hmm. he knows the ball's not going out, but he's already started the home run call, so he kind of finishes it and then stops. This one had – he was fully in it. I thought this ball was 25 rows deep. That's how loud John Sterling was screaming. It was caught at the wall. I should. I expected it because it's Greg Bird, and that's how his season is gone. But he was. He would have been the go-ahead run in that situation. And everyone was saying, "Well, why didn't Stanton pinch hit instead of Bird? Bird's been horrible." And you've got Stanton, who finally got his 300th home run out of the way. So, so the the monkey's off his back. Why didn't he pinch hit? And then Bard, after the game, goes, "We were avoiding Stanton unless it was a game to a situation to win the game." So is being the go-ahead run in the eighth inning <laughs> not a good chance to win the game? Because I don't know how much – the only way it could be more of a chance is if it was one inning later in the ninth inning. Right, maybe that's what he was waiting for. He was just waiting for that perfect scenario, and he didn't have confidence in whoever was closing the game out. I don't know. No, it's a, it's a puzzling – when you're looking at the two guys, you know, you're picking Stanton uh, ten times out of ten – the fact that Bird did come in, and I mean, let's all be honest, that was a, a ball that I think people off the off the bat got excited about. But it's a short right field, the Yankee Stadium, and the ball was on the warning track, and uh, so it, it was a regular fly ball. It's only a home run when it goes over the over the uh, over the fence at Yankee Stadium. Otherwise, it's a very mediocre fly ball. Uh, I think people. <laughs> People misconstrue the, the balls of the warning track into right field. The balls of the warning track are not impressive at yeah. all to right field. 30 only feet when they go in front over, of most outfield walls. Yeah, only when they go over that, that short fence are they impressive. So that's a, it's a very uh, drastic difference between, you know, five feet, I think, uh, when, you're, when you're hitting the balls to the right. So, you know, it, it could have been a big, uh, obviously would have been a big swing in the game. I, I think uh, could have been good for Bird, uh, but no, it's just a, it's an out and another missed opportunity. And then I also don't like using Stephen Tarpley, who was one of the Yankees' September call-ups in the ninth inning. It was a three-run game at that point. The offense was doing things, and Detroit, their bullpen stinks. Uh, Shane Green, I mean, is anyone afraid of him? He ended up giving up a couple runs in the ninth inning, so the Yankees could have come back, but Tarpley gave up more runs, and the game was iced. Yeah, the game was over when Tarpley came in and just uh, and blew it open. Um, I mean, Shane Green's been pretty good against the Yankees. Who knows in that situation where he's just trying to groove some fastballs and get through an inning when you have a huge lead. So, I, you know, I can't say that, that he would have been that same guy in the ninth. But at the same time, when you're down three um, and your offense is starting to do something and you get, you know, Yankee Stadium, you never know what could happen in that place. Uh, then yeah, you want to put you want to put you want to give yourself an opportunity to get back up to the plate only down three again. You don't want to make that any any larger to, um, to you know to give the the home crowd some opportunity to get in the game, put a little bit more pressure on the uh, that would have been a lot of pressure for Shane Green actually coming back to Yankee Stadium, closing the game out in front of that crowd. That would have been a lot of pressure. 
All right, so the Yankees are, are going to be playing three games in Oakland. It's the biggest series they've played in a long time because this is right mm-hmm. now the wild card matchup. Oakland's in second place. They've had a much, much better season than anyone expected them to. I looked, and Vegas had them over under at 74.5 wins at the beginning of the season, and they're already 81-55. and 55. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive what they've done, and they have a lot of young guys over there that are playing some damn good baseball. I mean, they're, they're definitely hitting the cover off the ball right now. So... Um, Tip your hat to those guys. I mean, you look you look at what they're doing, and then honestly, compare it. You, you throw, um, you throw. What what did you say? How many wins did they have? Well, they have eighty one. They have eighty one. So throw throw Tampa Bay in that in that division, you know. Uh, and Tampa Bay is getting getting close too. Like Tampa Bay is another one of those young teams that have just been hitting the ball. And you're looking at the guys. You're like, how is this happening? Um, but Oakland's put together a really good thing. The thing about Oakland right now is that they they have been like in the past week and a half like decimated on their pitching staff with uh, with Manaya. guys that are that are out. Yeah, it's just been it's been tough. They've, they've and they put uh, Brett Anderson I think on the DL too. So they're they're down some some arms for sure. Uh, and and it'll be interesting how they can uh, if they can overcome that. They've been a very 2018 baseball team, and by that I mean they hit a lot of home runs. They're third in the majors in home runs. They have a good bullpen. They're fifth in majors in, in bullpen ERA and sixth in strikeouts. Their starters are pretty mediocre, and like you just said, they've got a couple that are on the DL now, and they win close games. They're 27-11 and 11 in one-run games. So would you say this is a, a very Billy Bean makeup of a team? Oh, it doesn't really... To- no, if- 100%. Billy Bean, I mean, Moneyball, he's always looking for the next best thing. So power, the- power, um, defense, that's been and bullpen. Thing. I mean, power's been a... Power's not the next best thing. It's been a thing. It's been a thing. No, Launch Billy, Billy Bean a- just discovered it. He invented <laughs> home runs. He invented <laughs> power. I think Billy Bean is jumping on the wagon now and is no longer the you know the game changer. He's just like, oh, well, this is working, so let me go on to this. He's not, he's not being innovative anymore. He's just finding big guys and to get the ball out of the ballpark. There's no more money ball. It's nonsense. What level of panic will there be amongst Yankee fans if the Yankees lose this series? Um, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it'll be pretty significant because if the if there's an opportunity for the Yankees to lose this and and then have to go to Oakland for that wild card game, that's a huge difference than playing at Yankee Stadium. And the fact that, uh, you know, they're going there, this is this is an opportunity that Oakland is going to be looking at and salivating. They're going to be salivating over this. The Yankees coming to Oakland, uh, being on the West Coast and and having this uh, this big series against them where they can show who they are against the, you know, the big, bad New York Yankees. So, I'm expecting a very, very tough series. Right. The Yankees end the season in Boston, so they'd have to fly from Boston to Oakland. And then if they win that game, they'd have to fly back to Boston. Yeah, that's a, that's a terrible transition. Much terrible easier transition. if you can just take the uh, hour and 10-minute shuttle down to, down to New York for that wild card right. game. Yeah. All right. You ready to get into mailbags? Let's do it. Let's do it. The first one is from Christian Mallett. He posted this in our Facebook group. He says, thinking prematurely, but what do you think of re-signing McCutcheon and putting him in center field next year? He is four years younger than Gardy, has the same tool set. Oh, and he will cost a hell of a lot less than Bryce Harper if they are thinking of going that route. Did we just completely forget about Aaron Hicks, the guy that's actually played really, really well and is uh, you know one of the best center field, probably the second best center fielder right now in the league next to Mike Trout. I mean, he's literally playing on that level. And and defensively, you know, I I I hesitate to put anybody above him because he's he's that good in the in the outfield defensively. So, All right. So for the sake of argument, say the Yankees left field. Yeah, left field. The Yankees are not going to pick up Brett Gardner's option. Instead, they're going to use that money to sign Andrew McCutcheon. All right. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't see it happening. But at the same time, they're, they have one. They have a guy named Clint Frazier who I, they, they really, I think at this point, um, is is really not a trade candidate anymore. You know, for as far as value goes, I think right now the Yankees are going to look to see and hopefully they can get him healthy again, um, and, and you know have him uh, as a as a piece to this the puzzle for for what they're trying to build because. To me, that's where the value is right now. It's him as a baseball player because he is a very good baseball player. Um, but the fact that Gardy does have that option, I think uh, when you're looking at two old guys to, uh, to to potentially play left field at Yankee Stadium on a probably a one-year deal, you're going to pick the guy that is the um, the leader of your clubhouse, the longest-tenured Yankee who plays a gold-glove left field and and just knows how to uh, knows the system, if you will. Uh, I think they would choose Gardy over McCutcheon at this point. And also, I disagree with Christian's statement that him, that McCutcheon and Gardy have the same tool set. I don't see that at all. No, I think they're different. I mean, they're both they're both like hard nosed guys where they they 
they have good at bats. They work the count. Um, McCutcheon walks a lot. So to that extent, they're both like pro pro you know at bats for sure. Um, and the fact that McCutcheon can lead off. So I mean, I see what he's saying, but I, I think there's extent, yeah. there's more power in McCutcheon's game. But at this point, you know, he may be more of that grinded out guy uh, that's gonna you know hit hit gaps instead of over the fence. And also, this is getting far ahead of us, but do you see him looking for a one-year deal in the offseason? Maybe that's all that's going to be out there for him, but but something tells me he's going to be asking for more. Yeah, I think he's probably going to look... I think he's going to look for a uh, Todd Frazier deal, you know, with uh, three years and, and looking for some options in there or something like that, uh, two years with an option, whatever the, the Frazier deal was. But I think that's kind of where he is in his career at this point, and... You know, I think he brings a lot of other things to the table, especially for a young team. I think McCutcheon could really help a, a team out like that. Um, but I think he's still an attractive player. And again, you know, looking at his numbers in San Francisco, they're not bad numbers. I think he's still a very good baseball player. Um, and again, like totally surprised that he's 31 years old. Um, he looks like he's 25 when he shaved all of that, uh, everything off of his face, looked like a totally different guy. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, no, I still think he's uh, attractive. So I said one-year deal. I think the Yankees would probably be looking for a one-year deal in left field if they were to get a guy like Gardy or um, McCutcheon. But no, McCutcheon's probably going to look for a two- to three-year deal so johnny fabrazzo at johnny fabrazzo on twitter asks can you explain what the point of the trade deadline is and if trades are still happening yeah i mean it's it's a it's just a different type of deal now you know they have to go through the waiver process so there's a priority and who can get you um and uh it's helping teams that are lower in the the waiver priority and the waiver uh rankings to get a player and to negotiate with that team so there's it's not an open market all right, next up is from Mike F. He says, I have been extremely impressed with Miguel Andujar's offense this year. However, his defensive struggles are extremely concerning and cannot be ignored any longer. He, is consi- he consistently turns routine plays into challenging ones, oftentimes giving up in- infield hits because he takes too long to throw the ball. This season, he has minus 23 defensive runs saved, by far the worst among Major League Baseball third basemen. He has also only turned six double plays in 109 games started, which is the exact same number that a player like Brandon Jury has turned, even though he has only started 13 games at third base this season for the Blue Jays and Yankees. A plus defender like Matt Chapman, who we're going to see in Oakland, has turned 30 double plays this year. As the postseason approaches, do you think the Yankees should start in Duhar at DH more often and have Neil Walker play third with Stanton in the outfield? Solid mailbag, by the way. I like he, uh, I love the numbers on that one. I think it paints the picture of, of how how bad defensively, and even not when you're not looking at the errors, you're looking at the missed opportunities for the double, for plays, double plays. Is glaring, actually. Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to mix it up at this point. I think they will probably uh, they'll they'll try to. I think when you see towards the end of the game, they're going to put in defensive replacements. I think that's for sure. We will start to see that more. Um, but I think they're they're by putting his bat at DH, you're 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 missing out another opportunity to get a high leverage bat in there. I think when you can put, especially if Judge were back at that point, you know you're definitely not going to do it um, because Stanton and Judge, if they were if they're both healthy and they're both um, in your lineup, one of them's got to be in DH. So uh, I don't see it happening. Like I like I said before, like I think Andujar's. The, all these these problems that we're seeing at third base, and he's not the only problem, but he's one of the big problems in the uh, defensively. He's gonna, you just can't really change that in the middle of a season. It's just it's too late at this point in the season for you to see significant change. We're gonna see the same mental errors by him uh, until the the year's over, and hopefully in the off season he can clean that up. And if you want further proof that the error does not matter, Matt Chapman, who for the Oakland A's is one of the best third basemen in baseball, has 16 errors, which is three more than Andujar. But it's because Chapman gets to double the amount of balls as Andujar gets to. Um, and the, these lo- these long throws where Andujar takes an extra step, an extra beat to throw it, and the guy might be safe, that is not in the books an error, even though watching the game we know differently. Yeah, well, right, and 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 those are also the you know the non double plays that that happen because one he's not getting the ball out of the glove or you know he's not even looking at second or whatever it may be. Even if he fields a ball, um, you know, there's a lot of things that happen after that that point from you know the decision and where he's going to go with the ball to the fact that the uh, the transition takes forever and the um, you know getting into the mechanics and throwing it to first base takes an extra second or two than most third basemen. Like that's the biggest problem. That's one of the bigger problems, and I think a lot of that p- comes from. Um, his mechanics and the way that he throws the ball. He's got that big looping sidearm throw that, that kind of drives people nuts. 
Um, and then, you know, his footwork is, is, uh, is, is not good. And you see some of those ground balls where he just gets completely eaten up and, and in between bounce will destroy Andujar because one, he doesn't, he's not aggressive enough uh, charging the ball or he sits back on it and lets it eat him up. So he's got a lot of work to do defensively. There's no doubt. But when you see what that, what that bat looks like, you're like, okay, let's work on that. You know, you work on that and you're going to be a very, very good baseball player. Do you think that if he was not having the offensive season that he is, that the Yankees would, would have removed him from third base or maybe not traded Brandon Jury, that it's really the, o- the only thing that's keeping him there is the offense? Oh, for sure. I mean, the defense is certainly not doing anything good for him. So, so yeah, if you were struggling with the bat, and, and, and you know, that's kind of what we saw in the beginning of the year when he wasn't, when he came up and, and didn't, um, you know, he was swinging at everything. He was just over aggressive and he just, the bat wasn't there immediately. But, I mean, he quickly changed that. Um, but yeah, the bat's keeping him in, in this position. There's no doubt. And I'm not saying keeping him there. It's driving what he is. I mean, he's a great offensive player right now. And, you know, they're living with the defense. But, but yeah, the offense is for sure his game. No doubt. Paul Beskowski at Paulie Bows on Twitter says, what's your take on Austin Romine's overall performance while covering for Sanchez's injury? And I like how he put covering and injury in quotations. Right. Um, I, I think Romine did as, as well as anybody could expect him to do. I think he was uh, asked a lot. He was playing in a ton of games. Um, you know, not something that he's used to. He's definitely not a, a starting catcher, as some people were trying to argue early in the season. Um, you know, he, he, he was, I, want, I don't want to say exposed for, you know, what he is, but because uh, that's not fair because I think most people did know what he was. He's a backup catcher, uh, and he's got a role in this team. It's very important. And when everybody's healthy, like that role to me is amplified even more because he comes in um, and, and you see a, a guy that's coming in on, a, on an off day for Gary Sanchez and holds the fourth down very well. But when you ask that guy to go in there and have, what do you have, 103 plate appearances, like mm-hmm. that's, not what you're, that's not what you want. No. That, that guy is not 100 and, you know, he, he's not supposed to get that many plate appearances. So, yeah, his offense was, was exposed, if you want to call it that, for, for the guy that he is. But, again, if you're a big Yankee fan and you watch these, these guys every day and you know uh, who these players are, you know damn well that he's not going to come out there and light the, uh, light the offense on fire. He hit like a backup catcher, which yes. is what he is, over those 103 plate appearances. 234 average, 282 on base, 362 slugging, which is a 73 WRC+, plus, which is below league average. So, yeah, that's what, that's what happened. That's what I think, like you said, what people expected. Because we've seen Austin Romine. We like him as a backup catcher. He's not a starting catcher. And he also allowed 18 stolen bases in 29 games. He doesn't have the arm that Gary Sanchez has. So, yes, he can block the ball. Yes, that he's come up in some big situations with some RBIs this season, which is great. But he's not a, he's not a starting catcher. No, and I think when you when you're playing that much too, uh, as a guy that hasn't really played that much consecutively, you know, you start to see more fatigue as well, and you start to see different you know different parts of your game falling off than, you know, if you're playing every fifth day or, or you know you know two two times a week or whatever it is. Um, then you start seeing, you know, I think you probably see better defense metrics when he's, you know, going in as a backup and not as the starting catcher because, you know, he's a little bit more refreshed. He's got his legs under him more. Um, you know, the arm's probably a bit stronger. I don't know. You just see more of these things that you're not seeing uh, from from all these innings. So I think when you start adding the innings up too and you start adding them on to each other, into each other, like his numbers will start getting worse and worse and worse um, because that's just not what he's, that's not his role. That's not what he's, that's not what he's here for. The final question is from Matt Goff at the Goff underscore father on Twitter. What September call-ups can make an immediate em- impact, and will any of them make the playoff roster? You know, the, it's funny because when you're looking at these guys, some of them we've seen, like the Sessas, the Tyler Wades of the world, we know what they are. You know, Sessas is going to go in there and eat innings at some point, you know, possibly uh, mop-up duty. Tyler Wade will probably be a, a, a late uh, defensive replacement or a guy that can run the bases well. That's what we'll see from him. Um, Tarpley, I think, is new for everybody, but I don't know if anybody wants to see him again after what happened on, on Sunday. Uh, Johnny Lasagna, Loisiga, Le- is the guy that, that could uh, kind of a wild card because, I mean, he, he took uh, Yankees, uh, Yankees fans by, by storm. I think this guy was a very likable guy, reminded of us of another young, skinny reliever uh, from Panama that, that everybody has fond memories of. Um, and, and, you know, he pitched well and, uh, and then went down with the injury. He's back. Uh, and could potentially help this rotation out in, in certain areas. I think, 
it'll be interesting to see how they use him because I don't know if they want to use him out of the bullpen or if he is going to be a guy that's going to come in and, and potentially, you know, save some innings for, uh, for a CC or, um, you know, a, a Tanaka. And then maybe they keep Sonny Gray in the bullpen and they like that role that he's in. And Lance Lynn and Sonny are, are now boys in the bullpen. And we're still waiting to see when and if Justice Sheffield gets called up because yeah. the reports a couple of weeks ago were the Yankees are moving him to the bullpen so they can get him ready for relief opportunities as a September call-up. Well, he's made four relief opportunities in Scranton. He's given up two runs. We have not had any news that he's going to be called up yet. So do you expect it to happen still? Yeah, I'm, I'm expe- I, I expected it to happen already. You know, honestly, I was, uh, I was surprised that he didn't get the immediate call-up. I thought that, you know, they only wanted to see a few back-to-back games or a few games with him in the, in the bullpen. Um, and I thought that's what he did. You know, maybe he's not showing something that they're looking for. I, I don't know what the deal is. But um, I, I think at this point he could certainly help the team out. Uh, he's got one of the live arms. I know people are excited to, uh, to see him up in the big leagues. So I was surprised that he wasn't, you know, activated uh, before the Oakland series, honestly. All right, guys, that's going to do it for Mailbags. Very good batch of Mailbags today. Uh, if you want to submit questions, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, and there's a form that you can fill out uh, to email us, or you can tweet us at Yankees Podcast and also post them in the Facebook group, The Bronx Pinstripe Show. We have voicemails coming up, which should also be good because the McCutcheon news, a couple of a walk-off uh, by Neil Walker in there, and also uh, some bad things happened with Dylan Batanza. So I'm looking forward to these voicemails. Yeah, a little Aaron Boone blow up. I think oh, the exactly. fans are going to get pumped up. Yeah, about that. Lots of good stuff to yell about. All right, that'll do it for us. We'll talk to you in a few days. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. And Neil, walk off to knock your socks off. Holy cow, there goes Neil Walker. Sends it over the wall and... Wow, that was a... That was, a, that was an exciting end of the game there. What a motherfucking win today. Oh, yeah, man. I haven't celebrated a walk-off since... When was the, when was the like, last walk-off? I think that was when Giancarlo hit his goal ahead for game-winning home run. Hmm. Anyway, thank God we beat these, this shitty-ass team. The Chicago White Trash Sox. Oh, I hate him so much for actually trying to give a damn. First. Walker, I just want to say, I'm sorry about all the mean things I said about you. I'm glad to have you on the team. Bird, you, I want you off. You cannot bat for shit, and you cannot feel for shit. Can we, can we get someone from the Giants, and I mean the New York Giants, let's just get Odell to fucking field. I mean, he's got that fucking five-year extension. He could probably catch balls better than Bird ever will. Hey, Vince Rivers, this is Eric from Syracuse, and, uh... Another uh, brutal loss where we've seen that Aaron Boone just doesn't learn. There are three very simple rules with the Tampas that pretty much anybody will watch for a while knows. A, you do not have him close the game. B, you do not bring him in with runners on base. And C, don't let him pitch two innings. You follow these three rules, he's great. But if you break one of the rules, then all hell breaks loose like in that Gremlins movie. I don't know why I don't learn this by now. Simple. The Tampas eights, first and ninth. Well, I guess you just want to play the wild card game that Wednesday night in October. Jesus Christ. All right, better luck tomorrow. Hey, guys, this is Wes from Hampton. Just so sick of this team. First they can't hit, then the bullpen calls the bull game. This is fucking ridiculous. I can't take this shit anymore. Let me know when it's the wild card game. <laughs> Boys, sending it. Just before school starts, about to go reach the bar with the boys, and I look on my phone and see Andrew McCutcheon has been acquired. I like this move. Um, I think this is very, very, very beneficial for the playoffs as well. But uh, we're, we're going to be making a, a big, a big push here, especially with Kutch out there and with Judge, you know, with that wrist injury. I think he's. Uh, 
he's going to be a good addition after he gets that dreads cut and that beard cut. We get to see him in the stripes. Let's get it. The Yankees somehow lost. They somehow lost this game. And then we trade for McCutcheon, which should be cool, but to me that reads this judge snapping back. Why wait this long and then and now make the move until you realize it's not coming back. So like, that sucks, man. That sucks. Scratch is cool, but the reasoning ain't. Hey guys, Andrew Ryan, first of all, great show. Thank you guys for all the awesome content. Um, I was the guy who called in a few weeks ago who was on his bachelor party at Fenway. I'm um, getting married this weekend and my buddies just went to the game last night. It was a blast. I mean, uh, my friend Matt ZB called his second ever home run in a row for Giancarlo's 300, so that was pretty crazy. Things happen, you know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, we were talking about McCutcheon, you know, the whole game that we prefer him over Granderson and we think that he's going to really add and pick up the team. He knows the other hitters. He knows the guys. He's going to lock in like the missing pin that they have right now and uh, hopefully just, you know, carry us through to the championship. Um, listen, guys, thanks again and uh, talk to you some other time. I mean, what a joke of a loss to the Detroit Tigers. Holy crap. But Kansas gives up, what, three? Three in the ninth? It's a joke. It's ridiculous. Don't even... No, you can't even say anything good. At least they got McCutcheon. I don't know. But yeah, I guess that's good, but... Why does it feel like sometimes this fucking team is 35 games under 500 instead of 35 games over 500? I keep hearing about this super fucking bullpen and this easy second half schedule and it feels like we're playing the Red Sox every every series. Great another great fucking homestand. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.